And so tonight, what I want us to talk about, or what I'm going to share with you this evening, is, is really the subject is, is looking at being raw. Um, and that's the R-A-W. Um, and, and maybe during this evening, you want to raw with the R-O-A-R if you want to. Um, maybe appropriate timing, I might ask you to do that, not just at any point. Um, all right, Christy. So um, just going back uh, last year, and actually the year into the end of the, the year before, we all got a sense that God was speaking um, to Kim and I about actually going into kind of a new um, adventure, really. And that's how that kind of happened with um, coming to leave uh, the rock and to come here. But it wasn't just a case of leave the rock, come here. There was a real sense that God was saying about come, to come, come and learn something about what it is to be raw. And... And at the time, you kind of think, well, I'm not quite sure what that looks like. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, I'd stepped down from leading the rock. Uh, and at that time, kind of God was kind of bringing about conversations. And, and it just so happened one day, Chrissy and I just had this, this conversation. And as I was talking to Chrissy, there was a sense of what I'm hearing, what she's sharing, it's raw here at Shiloh. And when I'm talking about raw, I mean it in a really, really good positive but chaotic way. I, I love it, do you know? And, and actually, I've been learning, and I continue to learn about myself, that, that actually I tend to lean towards more about being ordered and structured. In fact, I showed Chrissy an itinerary this week of what I've done on a spreadsheet about going away next month for a few days. And, and actually, as I was sharing enthusiastically about this itinerary, about each day, what we're going to get up to, I felt this kind of like silence behind me as Chrissy was looking at it and I just thought yeah we're all wired differently but do you know what we've got to learn from one another and certainly what's been going on at Shiloh um, is is incredible we feel really blessed to be part of this community and we're really really enjoying it it's it's doing something amazing to our children and we just love the flavor of what's going on and I just want to unpack that a little bit more but then on the back of that is to really encourage you that we're we're a people a people of God that are encouraged not to stand still but to move forward okay so so this this sense of of raw um, it's becoming a bit of a standard joke in the, uh, in the staff team that Chrissy has often said to me on a Monday, hey, this week is going to be a quieter week. And I kind of believed her at first. And, and actually, I have said to Chrissy, I'll get a T-shirt for her with that because, because it is becoming a bit of a joke because, because as much as you say, oh, yeah, it is going to be a quieter week, actually things happen. And that's what you want to see in the life of the church. You don't obviously want to see people living through problems and, and the kind of disaster in life. You don't desire that of people. But actually, the, the fact that they can come in and feel safe is what the church should be all about. That they feel a sense of security, a sense of, of actually they're being listened to and being supported. And even like this week, I can, this, this building, only on Mondays, I think. So I'm not giving you permission to make Mondays busy, all right? But in... in this, room, this, this building tends to be the kind of the quietest it is all week on a Monday. Every other day is just manic. There's just things going on. So Wednesday with the Unity Cafe now in here, it was full. Because I, 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 I call them the Toonami now. Um, what are they called? Tumaini, that's the ones. Uh, the Tsunami, Tunami, that's what I get in my head. They were in the back hall. You had the Bible study group going on in the coffee bar room. We had the Open Doors, which is the um, Oberlands that, that run a service for, for people struggling with mental health, upstairs. 
And even the guy from Quitline has to use our office. So we're kind of like a bit of nomads as a staff team. We've got nowhere to go. But do you know what? That's really exciting. That's what the building should be about. It should be thriving. There should be things happening in the life of this church. But I'm learning to live in a bit of chaos and a bit raw. And I think God's at work doing something in me, which I didn't think I needed, but actually he is. And I want to say I'm loving the journey. It's a real adventure. And I know for like Matt coming on the staff team, he's used to structure at being a teacher. It's going to take him a while to go, whoa, what's going on here? Have you had that already, Matt? Yeah. yeah. Just about 12 times a day, I think, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. But actually, I love it. The definition of raw, often when I look at a word, I type in a definition. And then stupidly, I thought, why did I type in a definition of raw? Because it's quite obvious. And I think Google knew that it was quite obvious because it just came back with uncooked meat. <laughs> and I thought, of course, you've got raw eggs and there's obviously other things about, about rawness. But, but actually, I was thinking, well, how can I use that? Because I've got to kind of try and help translate for you. When I'm thinking of raw, what do I mean? Well, actually, raw, when you think, when you start to cook it, it starts to change color. People start to add things in. It starts to kind of change what it is. And obviously, you have to cook meat, because if not, it's poisonous and could do you a lot of ill health. But there is something about when we journey with God and we become part of a church community, it is very easy in this world to start adding things in, to start thinking, well, actually, let's, let's, let's do something a bit different. But I think simply the way I can explain about being raw is just being faithful and following Jesus and not changing not allowing yourself to be conformed or reshaped by what the world is saying around us. Because we know the culture around us is constantly changing opinion. It constantly tells you, oh, well, this is how we should be living. And then maybe a year or two down the line, it's like, no, 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 this is now the popular opinion. And as a church, if we did that, we would be in a right mess very, very quickly. It's about remaining rooted and faithful to what Jesus has called us to be. So to um, simply to continue falling in love with Jesus and loving people where they're at. Okay, and I want to explain that a little bit more as we um, go on through um, this time together. So, um, as I say, we're meant to be a body, a community, a family that is helping and reshaping the community around us. We're not to be reshaped by the community. We're there to, to, to be a light to others around us. But as I say, we, we have this danger of blending in with the culture around us, and we can easily get influenced and kind of go off in different uh, tangents and opinions and thought processes, and, not then, and then moving away from the Word of God, moving away what God sees His church. And we are to be His bride. That's what we're meant to be. So with Jesus, when you look through the Gospels, Jesus loves people where they're at. We know that with, the, with Jairus' um, family situation with his daughter. We know that with a bleeding woman. We know that with people with uh, leprosy that were considered outcasts, so on and so on and so on. He didn't go, I'll wait till they're sorted out and then I'll go and see them. No, he met them where they're at. That's what being raw is. You meet them where they're at. Peter and John, on the way to the temple, they meet a guy that's, that's lame. He doesn't just go, oh, we're too busy, we're walking on by. 
No, they encounter in a conversation and the guy is healed. In the name of who? Jesus. Just in case you need reminding, there is power in the name of Jesus. And his name is above every other name. So for us, we're there to support and get alongside people. We may not necessarily agree with their lifestyle, but we don't start sitting down and judging, which often my mind starts to drift. We're to love people where they're at. And as we do that, we pray that God will do something in their lives. I can't change people's lives myself, but it's through the power and the grace and mercy and the love of God that lives can be changed. Isn't that liberating when we know that it's not us that has to try and change them? It's through God and only his power and his forgiveness that can change lives. Here's an encouragement for us as a church. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus spoke about us being the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. So how do we continue to be a light, a source of light, and hope around us that for people that are currently living in darkness. And this week, in my kind of preparing this, I, I jotted down four headings with the word desire in them. And, and actually, I, I preach these when I'm walking the dog. The dog has heard this sermon probably about five or six times this week. But actually, I find it as I, as I speak it and hear myself, it, it starts to apply in my life. I start to think, actually, wow, wow, this is, this is what, why God created the church. This is why... He calls us to be the light of the world, and so on, and so on. And so these are kind of quick headlines that, that actually, just to kind of think about, I'm going to dip in and out, because I haven't got enough time this evening to go through them. But just to kind of stir your soul, just to stir your heart, um, to think about, actually, what is it that God's called you to be? What is it that God's kind of maybe challenging you? Maybe this week God's been speaking to you about something that you think, yeah, I need to, I, I've kind of been hiding this, and I haven't been kind of exercising the gifts that God's given me. And I want to unpack some of these as we go through. So the first desire, and it's a simple one, the desire to move forward. So the desire to move forward is, as individuals and as a church, we have two options. We can stand still or have the desire to move forward in our faith. Now we know what the answer should be. But boy, oh boy, the temptation to stand still is always there. I think almost on a daily basis to stand still. Because we like to be comfortable. But let me tell you this. If you are in a relationship with Jesus, he doesn't want your life to be comfortable. And in fact, he calls us to live on an adventure, a journey with him. And what a partnership it is to have with Jesus. So in Philippians 3, verse 12 to 14 says this, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ, Christ Jesus." Do you know churches, particularly in this Western world, close down and people walk away from their faith because they decide to settle, settle or conform to what the world has to offer? It's tragic. 
In fact, you hear of denominations that once, maybe centuries ago, were thriving, yet they've somehow a long time have lost that first love and have conformed to the world around them. And what happens is that they dilute down the power of the church. We are meant to be different, yeah? But it's hard to be different. We like that comfortable, which being comfortable means we just need to be like the people around us. No, we need to keep moving forward. Now, one of the best books I've ever read, and I read it about uh, probably almost 20 years ago, is a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by a a guy called Jim Simbala. Uh, He leads a church in Brooklyn, New York, uh, and the church is called the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And this guy is still leading the church. Uh, He's a very humble guy. He he loves to speak about the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of God, but he doesn't do it in that big kind of booming kind of stereotype of a U.S. preacher. He's got a very gentle voice, and it just oozes love for people. But back in the 1970s, when this guy came to lead the church, he kind of got tricked into leading it by his father-in-law, who said, could you just go and look after this church for a little bit? And he went there in Brooklyn, and it was a church, I think, of about 20, 30 people, mostly made up of just, just older people, no, no kind of offending any older people in this room, okay? But they didn't want to change. They wanted to remain just as they were. His father-in-law then said, do you know what, why don't you lead the church? And as he went then to lead the church, um, he came across opposition very quickly because he felt stirred in his, in his spirit that we cannot remain like this. This is so discouraging, coming to church, and there's just 20, 30 people there, and we just go through some hymns, I do a short talk, and then we move on. And he was just finding it exhausting and going, what is this all about? But then he felt God was speaking to him about, actually, I want the Brooklyn Tabernacle to be a church of prayer. And he gave an ultimatum to the church. He said, and explain what he wants to do. He feels God's called him to do this. If you're with me, we're going to move forward. If not, there's the door you can leave. Well, most of the church left. And I think, if I remember right, it was that in the next week, it was almost his family there that were just worshipping together. But you know what? He felt a real stirring. And God came and brought a word of encouragement and this is just a, it's just a short piece, but there was a minister from Australia, or in brackets he puts here, or perhaps it was New Zealand. He couldn't even remember. He only met the guy once. And he goes on to say this. Um, so this minister from Australia, maybe New Zealand, happened to be present that morning, and it was a rare occurrence. I introduced him and invited him to say a few words. He walked to the front and made just one comment. I heard what your pastor said. Here's something to think about. You can tell how popular a church is by who comes on Sunday morning. You can tell how popular the pastor or evangelist is by who comes on Sunday night. But you can tell how popular Jesus is by who comes to the prayer meeting. And with that, he walked off the platform. That was all, and I never saw him again. And do you know what? I know when someone is on a platform or preaching and says about prayer meetings, I know there's a guilt that suddenly goes on you. You're like, oh my goodness. And you start to layer excuses. Like, I can't come to a prayer meeting. And oh my goodness, I'm going to have to speak to Chrissy. I'm going to have to speak to these and tell them why I can't. It's not about that. It's not about your attendance or a register. It's about a heart thing. 
And I'll tell you, when we came here at 9.30 and prayed this morning, do you know what? The prayers are covering what's going on tonight. The prayers are covering what's going on for the rest of the week. God is at work, and most of the time we don't even know it or understand how, it's at work, how he's at work. But do you know what? I want to be a part of a church that prays, individually and corporately. It's a learning journey all the way along about prayer. So desire to re- move forward is really, really important. And the church in Brooklyn, when, he, when Jim Simbala felt God stir and say this is what he wants the church to be, do you know what? Over the years, the church grew. The church grew because they were praying and they started to, to impact the community around them. It's a, an incredible book that just talks about story upon story about people just turning up at church, not knowing why they've come through the door, but they just felt this urge to come in. And they get transformed by the love of God. And you know, that church now, today, is church of thousands. But the most important thing on Tuesday nights when they gather for their prayer meeting, thousands turn up. Because the heart is to pray because this one guy heard what God was saying. But we don't just say, well, let's, like, let's be like Brooklyn Tabernacle then, because that's, that's the thing we need to be. Let's be all Brooklyn Tabernacle now. Or let's all be like Bethel or, or Hillsong or anything like that. No, we've got to say, what is God saying about this church? And the vision for this church is on the wall. What Chrissy and the team are doing is taking us forward. And I want to encourage us, let's get behind that more and more, but also individually, let's also be encouraged to move forward as well. So let's, as Scripture said, let's forget what's behind us and reach forward for those things ahead. So number two, desire to build relationship with Jesus. Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, before us, looking unto who? Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you know what? Coming to faith is amazing. We don't hear it enough. Do you know, I, th- I think sometimes we, we get tempted to say Guernsey's hard ground, which I think it is hard ground, but then we're going to slip into the danger that we say, well, hard ground, that means can God ever penetrate it? Don't let your faith be reduced down. Let's trust God that he can bring about salvation. So let's never forget those moments we give our life to Jesus. Just for a moment in your head, just think where you were when you gave your life to Jesus, if you know Jesus today. Just think of the place. For some, it will be on this island, maybe in this building. It may be somewhere else in the world. But isn't it amazing the way that he brings us all together in one room tonight? The fact that we all have a relationship with Jesus, if you recognize him as, as the one that has set us free, who's forgiven us. The problem is, like that desire to, to move forward, if we have that desire to stand still, the desire to build a relationship with Jesus can stop because we go, do you know what? It was great back in 1984. I gave my life to Jesus, and, and that was a wonderful time, so that's where I'm going to sit. Any of you actually slip into the danger of, I remember when this room was set in a different way, and I loved it. Anyone like that? Oh, you're not going to admit it anyway. So 
But the fact is, we slip into this while the good old days. But the fact is, God says, desire to move forward, but desire as you move forward to keep building a a healthy relationship with Jesus, which is to be faith-filled, to trust him, to to say, Lord, I don't quite get it, but I'm going to step forward. I'm going to spend time in prayer with you. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to just kind of hang out with people that are going to speak truth and love and encouragement to me. But the day-to-day can be hard. And that this build relationship with Jesus, one of the things that I just want to highlight is prayer, like personal prayer. Because I think personal prayer can be hard going. Is there anybody in this room who's going to be kind to admit that they find prayer really easy? Okay. And for some people it is. For some people it's like a heart to pray. But generally I think because there's so much going on in our lives we kind of, kind of sometimes put that to the back or we get stuck at the first post or the first hurdle because we don't know what do we pray for? How do we pray? Because prayer is so kind of generic. There's so many different kind of aspects and focuses that you could pray for. Where do I start? Well, the first thing I just want to say is actually for prayer... The first thing we could do, regardless of where you're at in your life, how tough things are or or how good things are, is to just thank and praise God. That's always the best place to start. You know, this morning, Chrissy, as she led the 9.30 prayer meeting, she just told us to be silent. And she had to put that condition in, let's let's be silent. Because the temptation is for us to say, oh, let's, let's, let's get on, let's move on. No, in the silence as well, we can pray. We can hear God's voice in the silence. But with the heading of prayer, it can get really complicated. So if I gave you a piece of paper and a pencil, and I said, I want you to draw anything you want, off you go, you'd probably spend the first few minutes going, I don't know what to draw. But if I told you, can you draw a car, then you'd kind of all draw, and off you go. doesn't matter what the quality of drawing is. So with prayer, we get stuck. But as I say, we need to just come into a place of just praising and thanking God. And, and sometimes I've said to people, just, just go to the Psalms. But as I was kind of looking through this week about the Psalms, I was thinking, actually, there's quite a few kind of books of in the books of Psalms, for book of Psalms. And some of them are a bit more heavy going than others. So to, if, if you're thinking, well, where do I start? I would actually just encourage you, if you went between Psalm 91 and Psalm 106, those will always start with, with headings that like say, give glory to God, praise God, thank you God, those kind of things. And obviously there's lots of other Psalms that have that kind of sense, like um, Psalm 20, um, what did we read out this morning? 23, um, the Lord is my shepherd, okay? And actually if you're a bit of a cheater and you think I want a short Psalm, Psalm 100 is good. All right, there's, there's lots of those. Um, Psalm 119 might take you uh, a little bit longer. But, but actually, prayer, get into the place of saying, whatever it is, I find walking and walking the dog is a good place to pray. It's my place which just helps me look at nature and just take in the presence of God. For you, it might be in your, in your bedroom. It could be anywhere. Just get in a place that you have a heart to pray. Thank God and then let that roll on. There's loads more I could say on that, but I want to move on. So the desire to move forward, desire to build a relationship with God. The next one is desire to see his church grow. And we take example, this rawness, we can go to the book of Acts. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 40 to 41. <clears throat> it says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So this is Peter preaching the first sermon, when the presence of the Holy Spirit comes upon them, okay? Verse 41, Then those who gladly received the word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I read Scripture and I just go, Oh yeah, la 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 la, off you go. But I'm often finding myself, as I get older and, and reread, I kind of have to stop and think, my goodness, could you imagine being part of a church that one day 3,000 people get saved? It'd be like, quick, fill up the baptismal pool. Quick, this is, do you know what? When I talk about raw, that's living a raw life for God. Thank you for that raw, that's good. Can you see if me producing spreadsheets on the day that 3,000 people come to Christ, I know Chrissy would be going, what are you doing, Nathan? All right, it would be quite chaotic. But what a place to be in if we saw many, many people on one day come to faith. Forget about spreadsheets. Forget about anything else. We just need to celebrate God and let's get baptizing people. Let's add them in. We need a few more small groups. You know, that kind of, kind of thing. But that's what we want to live for. We want to see the church moving forward. And I think in this day and age, churches have become too polished and even have a, even have a professional edge to it. That's not what church is about. It's about proclaiming the goodness of God and what Jesus has done for us. So let's ensure we don't get caught up in limiting the power and the love of God through us trying to be ultra-organized and squeeze out the, the kind of the presence of the Holy Spirit because we're trying to be in control. It's about stepping back and saying, Lord, have your way on us. Another thing that's really powerful about the church is unity. In Acts 4, verse 31, 33, it says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. So we talk about God's love and power, but I tell you, when the church is in unity together, that is beautiful. It's attractive. People want to look in. They want to say, what is so different about you? That's why it's important that we don't conform to the current culture and opinions around us. We love people where we're at, where they're at, but we don't need to be shaped by them. We need to be shaped by Jesus. That's what we've got to keep remembering and never, ever forgetting. So prayer, unity, and faith is powerful, and it is infectious. So those are the three other desires. The last desire, how am I doing for time? Oh, I think my brother's still messaging me. All right, desire to exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians talks about gifts of the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
It says this in 1 Corinthians 12, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And obviously then there's things like gifts of hospitality, there's fruits of the Holy Spirit, all those things, okay? I have to say that when I first um, saw like people being filled with the Holy Spirit, I was freaked out by it because I saw people falling on the floor. I heard people yelling. I was kind of, it, to stand in a room where you're seeing this going on, you're going, this ain't for me. This is really weird and wacky. Well, actually, that's just like a, an outward appearance of what God may be doing in people's lives. And it took me a while to kind of get, understand that actually that's not how God works in a sense to scare you and to make you think, oh, this is weird and wacky. But actually, it's just to be open to what God can do in you and through you. So we desire gifts and exercise gifts of the Holy Spirit for the simple reason of pointing people towards Jesus. We don't do anything of this for personal gain. It's so easy to slip into this, hey, look at me. Ain't I good at this? Do you know what? That doesn't give glory to God. That starts to put the attention on you. It's all about the glory of God. That's why God gives us gifts to be used, so that we see the kingdom of God coming. But the thing is, we need to exercise them, the gifts that God's given us. So an athlete doesn't just turn up at a race on race day and goes, right, that's it, I haven't kind of trained or anything for the last six months, off I go. No, they're behind closed doors, they're training, they're preparing. They're getting into a place of exercising, so they're at their kind of peak for their fitness level. So the same goes for us. Our walk with God should be, we've got gifts. Let's exercise them. Let's use them. But also, a word of warning, let's be wise with them as well. Let's not be weird. All right, let's not kind of be this, whoa, what is that person all about? You know, if you've got the gift of tongues... Tomorrow, don't think, oh, Nathan spoke about the gift of tongues. I must exercise them. Oh, look, I'm in the aisle of the co-op. And you start yelling out, sure, you know, what are people going to do? They're going to look at you and go, flip. What is that person all about? But actually, for me, one of the ways I pray is speaking in tongues. But actually, a lot of the time, I can do it under my breath. God also gives you self-control as well. But church, if you feel a kind of a sense that you want to pray for the sick, if you feel that actually God does speak to you, maybe through a word of knowledge or things like that, the other thing we need to do with, with wisdom in this is that we always offer. We never tell people, I must pray for you, or you must do this. I always found it helpful, rather than pointing at someone, you kind of open your hand, it's an offer. So when you pray for somebody, 
you go and ask them, can I pray for you? And don't be offended if they say, no, thank you. But actually in my life, when I've offered to pray with people, believers in Jesus or not, I don't think anyone has ever said no to me because people that are struggling in their lives or just want a blessing or whatever it is will never turn it down because why? It's because suddenly they're being encouraged. Suddenly they're seeing that someone cares about them. So exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but please apply wisdom and also self-control where and how and all those kind of things you go through. I also just want to speak to the older generation in this room. When I say older generation, I'm not giving you an age, all right? I'm not saying what the age is. I'm just going to let you decide which bracket you fall in, okay? As we draw this to a close, I just, as I was just preparing this and coming to the, um, kind of thinking about the, these bits this afternoon, actually, I just had the, on my heart the older generation. And you just need to hear this. God isn't done with you yet. You know, we talk a lot about children and young people, which I go, absolutely, amen, that actually we need to be the older generation encouraging them, and we need to say, yes, they, they are people we need to invest in. But I also want to say that you are loved here in this church, and you also have a part to play. You can still encourage. You can still pray with people. And you might think, well, I can't always get here on a Sunday or I can never, rarely can I get to this building because of maybe a health issue. Do you know what? You can pray at home. Maybe you can message or, or give a phone call to someone that's on your heart and just say, do you know what? I'm praying for you. God is not done with you yet. And with that in mind, I just want to finish with this very quick story. In 1968, um, it was the Mexico Summer Olympics. And the men's marathon took place. And there was a guy called John Aquari from Tanzania who took part. And early in the race, he fell and injured his knee and shoulder. And most of the race, he hobbled along. And from time to time, he could only walk. An hour and 20 minutes after the winner had crossed the finishing line, John Aquari hobbled into the stadium to finish the race in last place. At the end, a journalist asked him, why didn't he just quit since he was so far behind? This is what John Aquari had say. My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. And I think for encouragement, whatever age bracket you are in, I want to say to you as we bring this to an end is that God is not done with you yet, but also ensure that you run the race. Whether you hobble across the line or run across, let's be faithful. Let's trust God. Let's, let's have that desire to move forward. Let's have that desire to build relationship with Jesus. Less desire to, to exercise those gifts that God has given us. Less desire to see the presence of God change and transform this island and beyond.